0: Like that. Body can't complete the act of triumph.
1: Cigarettes and anger. Let me play my part. Check two hates. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like... The structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder,
0: like... I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to be helpless little girl. You gotta go in the hospital.
1: You feel powerless. The thought has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to create change.
2: conversation we've rounded go different places so you mentioned history and um <clears throat> one of the things I'm hoping for the future of the foundation is that we get a really lively and, and fascinating and profound podcast going based on the seeds we're planting this afternoon um so correct my history I'm sure I'll get this wrong but as far as I know there was no such thing as a PTSD diagnosis until the mid-80s I think it was around that time period. And before then, I don't know what anyone was calling it. Shell shock. I know in World War I, they would call people cowards and like literally they could just be shot.
0: Yeah, well, actually after the Vietnam War is when they started looking at um, the, the veterans coming home from Vietnam and saying, this is different. This is something, we need to diagnose this. So I think I think it was maybe, the, I don't know the exact date when we finally came up with post-traumatic stress disorder, but people had been studying it since you know freud and Jung, um pierre genet who was a a french or a swiss doctor um really was looking at the veterans coming home from world war one and and seeing how um the body would store the trauma and how the the individuals be hijacked by something in the environment that would make them think that they were at war again and so you know back then they called it shell shock they called it um hysteria um, People were accused of having thought disorders. I mean, there was all sorts of different ways of trying to figure this out um, rather than admitting that something bad happened and that caused us to, to show up in this way or to have these symptoms. So that's kind of a rough... You know, don't quote me on that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just being recorded in four different ways. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> He's kind of my hero.
2: So, so I'm going to repeat that for the, for the video camera and for... Uh in case people couldn't hear it on on YouTube. Um, So she was making a a book recommendation called The Body Keeps the Score, which is something that was recommended to Kel and myself very many times. We read something else that was a little bit similar. Um, Taming the Tiger, something about a tiger? What did we read?
0: Uh, Oh, you read Peter Levine's- Peter um, Levine. Yeah. Tiger something. Yeah, I can't remember. Check that out too.
2: (laughs) Well, unless Audible's gonna throw us a sponsorship, I'm not going to be that specific about my book titles. Um, okay, so, so we're in the military history, and we're just talking over you. Is this, is this woman-splaining? I don't know what we're doing, but I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, not that you're a military historian, but you're of that culture. Mm-hmm. Where have we come from, and where are we now? On just trauma, and we'll get into the gaslighting on the next question, probably.
1: Yeah, I mean, as a you know, a barely millennial. I hate to admit it, but I'm only 35, so I'm right on the cusp there. So we'll just take that generation here. So my my experience is obviously with the current generation and and with the Iraq War and war in Afghanistan, naturally, because I took part of it. But that's when I was alive, um, and and it was it was noticeable, you know, especially when we got back. Just you know, they it was almost a dirty thing. You know, he came back and his mind wasn't able to handle what the heck was going on. Um, but it started, I think, at least taking notice. I think they started actually doing something about it. Um, you know, through the VA, a lot of other programs where um, there was compensation offered to soldiers where they could actually take action, you know, medicinally, therapeutically, to, um, you know, it's never going to go away, but, but to cope. Right.
2: Yep. So I know nothing about the VA. Do they? Say, okay, well, here's the program that's available for, for veterans with PTSD, and you go here and stand in line there, and, and we'll get to you. Or do they say, okay, here's like a, a voucher type of thing, and you can go feel, go feel out whatever's available and get what's comfortable for you. Like, could you go out and get ecotherapy like Veteran Valor, Valor Farm is trying to provide, and, or is it less free?
1: I would say it's, uh, it's less flexible than that, for sure, yeah.
2: Interesting. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the history, a little bit we about got a the... Question. Back there in the audience. Yes. Well, I'm going to try to sum that up a little bit for the people online. Um, Obviously, I can't remember it word for word, but kind of talking about the restrictions around uh, the VA and what it's like to pursue recovery and try to get care as a soldier, um, as as a veteran rather. So, basically, you're kind of subject to whatever your doctor thinks is best, and it's their way or the highway is kind of what I heard. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point, too, on, on, on the drugs because I know a lot of people dealing with trauma have psychosomatic pain. I know Cal had neck pain and back pain her whole life. And, um, but I don't think I understood even then with her right next to me how much the mind and the body are intertwined. So I imagine for a soldier, someone who's done something so physical and so mentally taxing, and you're doing it in a foreign culture, um, I mean, I don't even like to go to Wisconsin. <laughs> because <laughs> the
1: Packers are there.
2: Well, you get used to the smell. The point is, like, for a soldier, I can't imagine what the psychosomatic pain must be like and to have to deal with all that, what the VA puts you through, or this or that doctor says, well, that's not real. I don't care that it worked for your friend who has the same problem. I'm not going to allow that. And they put a, you know, a check checkmark or an X across the box and they just don't let you try. That seems weird to me. I guess I wish there was a little more flexibility, but maybe that's not what the military is known for. Well, and... It-
1: I think one of the biggest eye openers on that. So in, you know, in our kind of quest to get this farm going for homeless vets and, and one of the, you know, we're going through lots of research primarily because we're, you know, uh, not not necessarily educated in the, in the realm other than self-taught. But, you know, just going through the different, you know, animal therapies and stuff that work. And we came across the, you know, eGala, you know certification from a equine assisted uh, psychotherapy and we actually partnered with a farm out of rice minnesota called gates of hope and um just in watching their quest with the veterans administration and and the saint cloud va hospital and this is a a nationally recognized program this is certified this isn't um you know we made it up in the backyard and we hope it works this is actually helping real people across the country And, and even so there is probably three years of red tape left before they'll even get to help anybody that goes to the VA for therapy.
2: Is that like waiting in line type of thing or red tape in what way?
1: Uh, just red tape and being able to have that program being one that they're, they're willing to put their neck out there and actually recommend. So to, to your point of what constitutes trauma or PTSD, every mind is different. So every mind is going to require a little bit different mixture of, of help. Yeah. And so, you know, the the equine program might be great for, three percent of the population it may not work for anybody else right but if you care about a
2: single one of those people that's your whole world you know like if they had like for me i'm always trying to think okay where are we going to go with the foundation is it going to get huge are we going to sell a jillion records are we going to do this are we going to do that how do i even fill one room with people who care about this um but the fact is if we touch one person that's an infinite gift because every one life has infinite possibilities so that's i try to make a positive thing out of the you know, geez, what if that only works for one person? What if I'm you know, I'm gone in 20 years and, and 10,000 people ever heard the album and 100 of them, it changed their life? Well, to me, then that has to be worth it, you know? Um, so let's get back to the definitions here. Gaslighting. I'm going to throw out my definition for that, which I didn't come up with. I read a bunch and I liked the one that I liked. Um, but I don't know if it's right or wrong. And it's probably different in different situations, you know? It can be a one-on-one predator predator survivor situation or it can be a massive organization like the U.S. military that has a very strong stake in controlling information you know and, and so I'm going to just throw out what I heard which was uh, gaslighting is the systematic attempt of one person to erode another's sense of reality I liked that I found it a little bit poetic and it kind of it looks good on an Instagram post <laughs> but I'm curious you know where is it in the DSM? Where it is it in the rest of the mental health community? And then I'll throw it to you as well. Mental manipulation in the military, um, whether it's within the ranks or, or, you know, all different ways. So just kind of curious, you guys, as far as the definition, so we can set up terms and then get into this.
0: Well, I th- I think that's a pretty good definition. It actually, <clears throat> um, it came up from, you know, it's, it's based on a, a, like a really, really old movie that I don't even think was, I don't even think it was a talkie. I think it was like you know, a silent movie where the guy is trying to make his wife believe she's mentally ill by changing the gas light, because the streetlights were gas, and so cha- mm-hmm. changing them at different times, right, so that, she, and then making her think that she had done something she hadn't done, and, you know, just convincing her that she was sick, she was crazy, and I, I don't remember why. I, I think he wanted her money or something, probably, right, and so um, we use that term when someone tries to convince you that what you're doing is, or what you're thinking or what you're saying isn't real or isn't accurate. Um, We see it a lot. You know, Tubman works with not only mental health and chemical health, but we also are a domestic violence program and so we see that a lot with um, survivors of domestic violence where the the abuser or the perpetrator um, will try to convince the person that that didn't happen or that it wasn't that bad or you know, that idea of even even something as and it's not benign, but as benign as um, "I do this because I love you or you make me do this," starts to erode the sense of the survivor's reality, like, "Oh, maybe it is my fault that they came home and punched me in the face, or maybe it is my fault that this happened. you know and and so we see that. We also see it um, with people, um, and it's not really gaslighting, but people who are victims of trauma. Um, may tend to minimize it or wish that it hadn't happened or set it so far back in their mind that they can convince themselves that, no, that really wasn't that bad or that didn't happen, right? It could have been bad, but not for me. Okay.
1: I'll
2: have
0: you repeat the question and then get into it. Okay, so what you asked me was, is it possible that if somebody has a traumatic event that they forget, that later on they can remember it? Is that is that the accurate? Absolutely, because a lot of times what happens when something people talk about, like if you have a car accident, you don't feel any pain, it's because the brain takes care of you. So when something bad is happening, quite often, we don't remember it. Because we're taken away from it. The mind says, too much, too big, we'll take you away. And then later, something will happen, right? So we had a client when I worked at the hospital who had like this, you know, everything going for her. Great life, kids, kindergarten teacher. She was washing out paintbrushes. And all of a sudden, the red paint, all of these memories came back right? And ended up, I was working at the state hospital at the time, so ended up at the state hospital. So very much the mind stores it and something will open that box. Um, quite often when we have lots of trauma, like years and years of trauma, um, then we have lots of boxes. And so they pop open a lot easier. So we're triggered or hijacked by those memories a lot quicker. So, so Absolutely. Yeah. So do you want me to repeat that? Yeah, you can summarize. So essentially, what she was saying is that the you know kids maybe um, whose parents divorce also may think it's their fault, right? Maybe it's my fault that mom and dad don't love each other anymore, or, and yeah, that's very common, right? Okay. That's a great. That's a big question. So he asked, what would what would be the techniques that we would use or skills would we would use for someone who is experiencing PTSD symptoms and their boxes keep popping open? Well, one of the things we we often work with and when we stress with our clients is that when I get activated and my box pops open and I get, I think I'm scared or you're a threat, I, I'm responding to something that happened and not what is happening. So if you stood up and all of a sudden I got activated or triggered and thought you were a threat, I would be responding to something from my past. And so we, we teach mindfulness is one of the most important tools to help people be present and know that, okay, there there's that tall man who looks scary, but it's actually not the threat. It's not the person who hurt me. So mindfulness so that we can be present. Um, we use, uh, my model, um, I use sensory motor. We teach um, resourcing skills so that we can have, people can learn to can't contain the symptoms. So like if I get activated and have a flashback, I can ground, I can push, push against the wall, I can um, get a thing of ice, or there's all kinds of different ways that I can bring my activation down and bring me back present. And then the processing piece um, really Quite often what happens with trauma is that there is a desire the body wants to defend against what's happening But for whatever reason couldn't and so Janae called it um, That the body can't complete the act of triumph and so um, Sensory motor um, therapy we use We work with the client to let their body complete the act of triumph and then bring in mindfulness so that they're having a different experience of the traumatic experience. So that's just one little sliver of it,
2: yeah. I'm curious while we're on that subject, uh, Matt here, feel, feel free to speak up. Um, is there, Are there therapeutic modalities that are offered at that time or is it all, oh, come home and then we'll figure out what kind of mess someone has been turned into by this combat experience? Like is there is there a knowledge that attacking it, no pun intended, you know during those times might be better than letting it linger for years and years. Just-
1: there really isn't any room, um, or, 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 uh, you know, from a from a mental standpoint, you have to have your head in the game. So there really isn't, a, to my knowledge, I don't think there ever was anything other than maybe uh, cigarettes and anger. I guess that uh, would have would have been a way to to get rid of that at the time. But I mean, you have to have your head in the game. You are there to do a job, and so from that standpoint, it's not a you know, hey, this isn't normal or it's okay, it's like, hey, these are all the things, this is your new normal, you very likely could die at any point in time over the course of the next year, year and a half, and you just kind of have to roll with it, and then only when you get home is where you're able to kind of take that deep breath and be like, oh man, you know, And, and actually somewhat, you know, work through, you know, whatever the mind has in store. Get the music behind the mission. Hate The Coming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement, buy the album, get your Kelly Nicole Band merch and donate what you can at kellynicolefoundation.org. Courage is from Apple